Hey, what's up, missionaries? This is Len, a.k.a. The Bat Tribble. We are back again live with episode 297 of the Michaud Mission as Vincent and I review Beverly Hills Cop from 1984. We also get into listener mail by way of Zambia. We've got voicemails from the listeners asking us a question about which one is Siskel, which one is Ebert. We have... Six Degrees of Durville Martin, the superhero edition. And then we got the review. It's a lot of fun. Here's the mission. Hey, welcome to the Michelle Mission. Two men, one podcast. Every black film ever made. My name is Len, a.k.a. The Bat Tribble. And as always, I'm joined by my partner. Hey, this is Vincent Williams. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, after one week off... We are finally back on the road to 300. It was a bump in the road. Slight bump. But now we've gotten over the bump. Yes. We've gotten over the hump, got over the bump. And now we're ready to make the jump. To episode 297. All right. Oh, man. All right. This is Vincent's selection for this stop on the Michelle Mission. And this is a doozy, ladies and gentlemen. And it's a fun one from 1984. It is not the movie that made Eddie Murphy a star, mm. but it's the movie that made him a superstar. How about that? How about that? Beverly Hills Cop. You know, I've been doing that dance, <laughs> that exact dance all weekend to the chagrin of my girlfriend, who's just like, will you just stop it, please? Will you just stop? Have you been doing it to that song? To- I've been doing it. Yes, you just been. See, the thing is, I've been doing it to that song, but the song's only been in my head. Right in your head, right, right, so right. She right. just thinks I'm happy. Well, it's either that or the neutron dance. So, well, that, well I can't do the neutron. Exactly. Dance. I cannot do the neutron dance. Maybe that once upon a time I could. Right. Do the uh, shout out to everyone out there in the chat who are watching us as we are streaming live via Streamyard to Facebook, YouTube, as well as Twitch. Hello, all you missionaries. Good evening. Good evening. Do we actually say, like, did you say this is Lynn? The bat trip? No, yeah, no. I did. Did you? I, I yeah, we, we completely did. forgot. That's that's the, the. I'm so busy thinking about Beverly Hills Cop. <laughs> that's the rundown. We uh-huh. did it. We did uh-huh. it, Vincent. We did it, Vincent. Um, shout out to all the missionaries that we have out there. I just want to let you know, Vincent, that we heard from another missionary. Okay. And this may be the furthest that we have a missionary has ever reached out to us from. Okay, where where are we reaching out from? In listener mail. Okay. We received an an email from Wam Wamya Tembo. Hey Wam Wamya? Wamya, W A M Y A. Hey Wamya. Tembo, T E M B O. Okay. So hopefully I am pronouncing that correctly. And they write, Dear Len and Vince, hope you're well. My name's Wamia Tembo. I'm writing to you from sunny Lusaka, Zambia. Nice. Firstly, I'd like to say a very big thank you to both of you for the joy your podcast has brought to my life during the rough stretch we've all experienced. 
I cannot count how many times I've had the person in the next car over stare me down for laughing out while I'm listening to a Mother May I episode in traffic. <laughs> Recently caught up on the Juice episode, couldn't help but notice Len casually include Aaron Hall's Don't Be Afraid when listing <laughs> off classic tracks from the Joyce soundtrack. Not sure if you listened to that song recently, but those lyrics are so damn sketchy. The second verse in particular. And also the audacity of one Mr. Hall to bring the Lord into this mess with that nighttime prayer interpolation. I am shaking my head. I'm real curious about your thoughts on this. Uh, Big thanks again and much love. Wamya. <laughs> thank you um, yeah thank you thank you a lot that is I, is that our first letter from the motherland i believe that, that it's the first one that all I right yeah, that's cool pretty dope <laughs> it's it's a shame that now we have to talk about aaron hall in his <laughs> sketchy <laughs> i mean this is the same man who sang lead on peace of my love which may be the most disrespectful song of the 80s well, that's very true. That's very true. That is played on quiet storms everywhere. The fact that an entire generation debated mm -hmm. whether or not he says dumb bitch. Yes. You know what? An open debate. The debate continues, Vincent. Speaking of Aaron Hall and sketchy lyrics, <laughs> and during a recent recording of the after show after party one of the podcasts that i produced for uh toya haynes our mm -hmm. social media director her and her co-host nikki got into a conversation about aaron hall and his lyrics yes because toya oh sweet lovable sweet, toya innocent a lamb in the woods uh, oh you just don't know mm -hmm. she literally has nothing but wool over her eyes mm -hmm. because she always thought that was just a weird rumor. That was just a weird that he rumor. Says dumb bitch in the song that, that we all hear. That me and Nikki played for her. Yes, and she still refuses. She, still, she just refuses. <laughs> she she refuses, refuses to hear. To hear she is, and this is a spoiler for Westworld. She's Jeffrey Wright, and she just doesn't see the door. She doesn't see it. She just doesn't see it. She doesn't see it at all. Yeah, no. She she is she is she is blind she there's a blind spot yeah like i thought her only blind spot was ralph tresman yeah no apparently she has it's just Aaron it's, it's just 90s it's, yeah just it's 90s r&b 90s r&b right it's, and it's well you know she made her piece i guess with bell biv devose backstage underage adolescent how you doing oh she's the apple of my yeah 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 so yeah is this like yeah 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 yeah. Yeah. So 90s, the 90s. <laughs> the 90s. See, yes, it is the 90s. Because the thing is, there were because the 90s did away with metaphors. <laughs> because this stuff was going on in RB and rock and roll for years. Right. They were just couched in metaphors. Just, right. Yeah. Hey man, pull up to my bumper, baby. Exactly. Long black limousine. And long black limousine. Pull up to my bumper and park it in between. Mm -hmm. I think the last metaphor, which was in the 90s, 
maybe late 80s 90s mm-hmm. with SWV's Rain on Me. Rain on Me. Rain on Me. That was me. the last Yeah, it's such Netflix. a pretty song now. It's a pretty song. Yeah, but it's a Don't think it. Well, we were listening to a live um performance of Minnie Ripton doing Inside My Love, which Minnie Ripton's voice is so pretty. I think I it took many of us 30 years to realize just how amazingly dirty that song is. I know. I know. I know. Yeah, so. But 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 you don't you don't care. You don't care. Because it's many you don't care because it's like an angel singing. Exactly. It's like an angel singing. Exactly. Exactly. One of the most graphic songs of the 70s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's an angel singing. But it. it's an angel singing it. Okay. Yes. But in the 90s, we introduced it into the sin that it is. Yes, yes. <laughs> it just did and away with have- any. And how talking about no one's going to hear you, and I've locked the door. <laughs> oh my god! But don't be afraid. Call me daddy. Call, call me. you. You can call me daddy. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a lot. That's a lot. It's all right there. Anyway, um, but thank you, thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, I really appreciate you. Um. Uh, Farrell Blackwell has a question. I think this is for you, Vincent, because you're our, you're our music expert here. Oh, easy. Hey, Michelle Mission, here's a question for y'all. Which, <laughs> which decade has the most talentless popular R&B singers? <laughs> Vincent? I mean, I I I think it's it's really just um it just gets worse and worse as time goes I on. I know. It's a sliding scale. Right. Really. Right. I that's I, I yeah. I'm I don't know if there's ever been a more talentless bunch of people purporting to sing R and B than there are right now. Yeah, yeah, because you know what? Because as much as I'm aligned the '90s and I talk about, I mean, you know, you had Monica, you had Brandy, you mm-hmm. like, you had people who could actually sing. I mean, Aaron Hall is from that um, Charlie Wilson school, yes. But Aaron Hall has got a nice voice, it's got an okay voice, yes. Get the song over. R. Kelly is actually a monster, yes. but he has a nice voice, yes. So nice. you know that. Yeah, so there's talent there, right? But there, there are folks now that are actually tone deaf. (laughs) There are people that sing now that I actually think it's a practical joke. (laughs) I don't, I don't know about that, but I mean, yeah, they're not, they're not, they're not, yeah, they're not that great. Um, I I was actually because every once in a while. I'll listen to like new music. Why? Well, whatever new music that um, Spotify is suggesting. Okay. All right. Just so that, you know, I want to, you know. Be down to kids. (laughs) You'll be down to kids. Not to be down with the kids, but you know, there might be something that's, oh, that's a surprise. And I actually Uh do like it. And I have found a couple of artists who I, whose music I do enjoy. I mean, I mean, she's not super new, but I lo- mm-hmm. I love Jasmine Sullivan's la- most uh, her Grammy winning album. Right, 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 right. Hotel. But like you said, Jasmine Sullivan's first album came out damn near twenty years ago. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. 
Um, but uh, there's there's this artist Lucky Day who I enjoy. I like Lucky Day. My I, my nephew put me on the Lucky Day, and I like Ari Lennox. Ari Lennox. I yeah. like Ari yeah. Lennox. Yeah, I like like I, I, I joke, uh, but yeah, yeah. And I like I like um, what's a uh, 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 actually this this young uh, young girl JoJo. I like her. She's pretty. You're right. I don't now. You yeah. I, okay. I just don't know. No, I just don't, don't know, know who her. she is. I'm not saying that's fine. She's, yeah. So there's a few that I, I that I like, but there's a but there yes, but to your point, there's the greater majority is just whining. Right, right. And I'm it's just not. gonna go listen to Midnight Marauders again. Well, we can't just always listen to Midnight Marauders. Here's the thing. We can't. Right? You can't. <laughs> That's the crazy thing. They tell you you can't just listen to it, but here's the thing: you, you really can. can. You actually can. You really can. Just put it on yeah. and just let it play. Right, right, and right. Let it play again. You know, mix it up a little bit. Listen to Low End Theory. Mm-hmm, 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 oh mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I hear you. Anyway, all right. Well, don't get me started on today's hip hop. But anyway, <laughs> all right. So, uh, and SZA, yeah, like, um, Brie Brie 517, I loves Ari Lennox and, and SZA. Mm-hmm. SZA is yeah. good too. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I, I have more than a few in my playlist. And I have neither one of them are locking up women in the door. Talk, it, t- talking about <laughs> no one can hear you. Well, the one thing I will say that I appreciate after years and years of primarily men Mm-hmm. You know, first metaphorically and then just more demonstratively talking mm-hmm. about, you know, what they would do to a woman. Yes. And, you know, and, and all these type of things. I actually appreciate that more and more women, they're singing about what they would do they would and, do and well. what they're not accepting. And what they're not accepting from, well. from God. Right, right. So right. I, I appreciate that. I don't know about you, Vincent, but this has quickly become one of my favorite features we've got voicemail <laughs> okay all right <laughs> we've got voicemail vincent um let's let's <laughs> let's listen to the voicemail yes now if you are you're interested in leaving us a voicemail <laughs> ladies and gentlemen the michelle voicemail is up and running 215-867-9666 you can hit us up, tell Vincent and Len what is on your mind. Tell us uh, uh, what you're thinking about. We're gonna. We thought we we're going to leave this up through up till episode 300. We're just going to keep it going because I like it. <laughs> I like it a lot. Vincent, and, and you know what, Vincent, who clowned me for months about this, now I told him earlier we've got voicemail. He's like, oh, nice. He, he can't wait. He can't wait to hear the voicemails. It's retro. <laughs> you cannot wait you, you you pissed me off with that a little bit but anyway all right so without further ado let's go to our first <laughs> our first voicemail our first voicemail of the evening okay now this one i don't know the uh gentleman's name okay um but here is their voicemail you have your headphones on so you shall be able to hear it and okay. you shall be able to hear it at home as well well just congratulations on Lots of episodes and and movies and 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 using these modern technologies. Sorry for the noise outside. I'm in the middle of traffic, but but I, I figured I can. It's not good to text and drive. It's it's not good to look at the internet and drive. But it, it's okay. They, they they tell me the the young people tell me it's okay to talk on the phone and drive. It's a weird sensation having a phone in the car. 
I don't know what to do with a phone in the car. You've got to look at the numbers when you're done. Like, you can't look at the numbers and the blood pressure to the brake at the same time. It's a weird thing. I just shifted my car into a different mode just talking to you guys. It's a weird thing. Anyways, anyways, we're talking about the Michelle Mission. We're talking about 300 episodes. Just want to say congratulations and great success on all the movies that you guys have, have, you guys have watched, all the good ones, all the bad ones, all the Tyler Perry's, and, and everything in between. I, 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 I love it. I'm a great supporter of the mission, and may the mission, may the mission go on. And, and I, I'm really, really enthusiastic by the fact that you guys are using great technology such as voicemail. So how does this work? Does someone walk into an office, and, and they have a little machine there, and it says, you have two messages waiting, and you press a little button, and it rewinds. And I've still got one of those in my house, too, and it's great. It's great for messages. I, I don't clean it out enough, and I've got a few extra tapes. Do you guys need tapes? You guys need extra tapes because I have tapes. I can leave you guys some tapes. <laughs> what to say? I don't know who that was, but God bless them. God bless them, right? <laughs> right. I don't Do know. Do we who need some was. tapes, Lynn? Do we need some tapes to put in the machine? <laughs> right, eight was going out of business. <laughs> So I'm, I'm, that other room is filled. Filled with tapes. Filled with tapes. And so like we're white good. out. Right. And, 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 well, I've got a label maker. And a label maker, yes. <laughs> so I can just. Right. Yeah. Got you. Got you. Um, so we're good. <laughs> we're good. All right. Well, thank you kindly, missionary, for that wonderful voicemail. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> the next voicemail, this comes from Calvin. Hey, Calvin. Calvin. Leaving us a voicemail. Here we go. This voicemail from Calvin. Hey, Vincent Lynn, this is Calvin. I was calling first to tell you how much I enjoyed your review of Rosewood a couple weeks ago. Uh, it took me back to when I went to see it myself. And just remembering, I went with um, the young adult group at my church at the time. And we were all thankful that we went to see it on a Saturday because we left the theater so angry that we needed um, to be able to talk about it and then go to church the next day before we had to deal with the rest of the, rest of the world um, on Monday. Um, I also wanted to say that I really did. I was, like everyone else, looking forward to you, you all take on the slap program around the world. So I really enjoyed that uh, conversation from last week, probably as much as I enjoyed your review of When We Were Kings, which I agree was a very good documentary. Oh, so it was, that's my thoughts for this go around. Enjoying, waiting to enjoy the next episode and talk to you earlier. Bye. All right. All right. Thank you, Calvin. Thank you, Calvin. We appreciate that. That was nice. Very thoughtful voicemail. Well, well, you know, obviously, he's a professional. Yeah. And knows how to use the modern technology. The the modern technologies. That's that's right. That's right. right. We have a final voicemail, Len. Okay. Len. We have a final voicemail, Vincent. And this is from Leslie. Oh. My sister. Oh, hey, Leslie. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, and if I remember correctly, she has a question that she wants to pose to you as well as to the missionaries. So everyone, okay, listen up. Okay. Hi, I have a question for the Michelle Mission. Every time I watch you guys, you remind me of Siskel and Ebert. Hmm, which one is Siskel? And which one would be Ebert? Well, I have my 
idea of who is who. But if you were to ask yourself the question, what would you say? I'm really curious. And in addition to that, I wanted to ask this other question. So have you ever considered entertaining, and maybe you've done this already, to women to come on to the show to have a conversation about a movie or two? Maybe you've done this before, but I was just curious. I enjoy watching you guys and looking forward to more episodes. Talk to you soon. Bye. Oh, thank you, Leslie. Thank you, Les. Thank you. Um, so let's address uh, her question. Which one of us is Cisco? Which one of us is Ebert? What would you say, Vincent? Here's here's the thing. I, as I'm sitting here, I realize I don't really, I can't really think of a difference between Gene Cisco and Roger Ebert. Oh, I mean, like, like the way they approach the material. Oh, I, 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 I definitely. Because what I also remember is I'm realizing I don't remember a lot about Gene Sissel. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, I mean, do you? I mean, I, I, I see him. So you could, you and I remember watching the reviews, but mm -hmm. I don't remember differentiating the way the two of them. Like, I know Roger Ebert is just very smart. Very smart. Very. J but very, a lot yeah. of that I've gotten since Gene Siskel died. Mm -hmm. And just reading Roger Ebert's writing. Mm -hmm. But I don't remember a lot about Gene Siskel. Gene Siskel, outside of, you know, the physical difference between them, because mm -hmm. Roger, Roger was a, a larger man. Mm -hmm. um, Gene Siskel, not a small man, but definitely slimmer and, mm -hmm. and bald. Mm -hmm. um, he was more... I would say down to earth than Roger. Roger, like you said, is a was, is a very intelligent man, mm -hmm. and he's one of those guys who, while he seemed like he could be cool, he's also seemed like one of those guys who wore his intelligence as a badge of honor and wanted to make sure that everybody could see it, mm -hmm. you know, from all vantage points. While Gene Sisko was a little bit more down to earth, you know, kind of like you know homespun a little bit. Um, probably just as smart, mm -hmm. even though he would tell you that he would admit to you that Roger probably was a little bit more educated than he was. Mm -hmm. But Gene Siskel was definitely more, I would say, more relatable to the common man, mm -hmm. you know, uh, than R Roger. Um, I don't know, like, uh, we, my sister put this out to the, um, to the missionaries. Bree Bree 517 says, this is so easy. Vince is Ebert and Len is Siskel. I mean, I, I feel bad because I can't argue. Like, I want to argue about it, but well, I don't really have. Really that argument. Honestly, that's probably where I would land on All it. right, then, then let's go with that. I mean, uh, even though Aaron Fry says that Ebert is the one with the glasses, I'm the one that wears glasses. There, there you go. Of the two of us. Glasses. Yeah, but, dude, I'm, I'm not even like dumb enough to say that I'm as smart as you. You're 10,000 times more intelligent than I am. Yeah, right. Let's fill out some forms. Farrell Blackwell says, whichever one of you is married to a black, a black woman is Roger Ebert. <laughs> well, that's you, Vincent. 
I can't argue with that. I can't argue with it. I can't. <laughs> that if that's the tiebreaker, I'm with right, it. Right, right, right. I'm with it, you know. So yeah. um But thank you, you, Leslie. We do, we do appreciate that. And and to your other question about bringing two women onto the show. Now, Les is, I will admit, um, even though she's my sister, she's new to the the show mission. Okay. You know, so she's only recently been like listening. Um, so she doesn't always listen to know that we have had, of course, women on our show, and we'll continue to have women on our show. Um and it hasn't happened in a while, but on some occasions we have had more than one woman on at a time. We have, you know, we have, um, we had Denise James, the reporter Denise James and her friend Denise mm-hmm. here. Um, Ariel Johnson, our longtime friend of the show has been on with a couple of her friends mm-hmm. once or twice before. Mayori was just on here. A few That's right. Mayori ago was on here with, with um, another member from the, another the member Star, of the black star squad uh, squad. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so we definitely, open it up absolutely there is a one particular woman i'm not going to say her name but it's a a woman that is close to both of us certainly far more closer to vincent who has an open invitation from me to come to the show but you know we'll see if that one day we may make that happen we are always open (laughs) It's, it's so going to punch me in the throat. <laughs> so, I, mean, I so guess I'm not even sure who you're talking about, but I'm a, I'm just keeping things moving. Oh, I appreciate. <laughs> yes, that. I appreciate that. Um, Aaron Fry, a piece of trivia: Gene Siskel purchased John Travolta's <laughs> white suit from Saturday Night Fever. That is true. I do remember that. I do remember that. There actually is. If you I mean, was it for some weird sex thing? What was no? It's like you know, he just just one of those. It was a. A memorabilia, memorabilia. Kind of thing, and he 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 was a huge fan of Saturday, the movie Saturday Night. Do you think Fever. he wore it? Do you think he put it on? Like do you Gene think, Siskel? Do you think he closed the? I bet he did and put it on. I bet he. I'm I'm willing to yeah. willing to bet that he did. Yeah. Um. There. Um. There's a very cool podcast. I think it's under the Big Picture Show podcast, mm-hmm. but I could be wrong who just like mostly does reviews of movies and talk about Hollywood. Mm-hmm. I think it was under that, but I could be wrong. Wherever you get your podcast, search for Cisco and Ebert. There's a cool about maybe six or seven episode series that just talks about the history of their show. Interesting. And I, I listened to it and it actually was very, very interesting. Very cool. It goes all the way up from the beginning of their show, all the way through all of the um, the incarnations from their show, from PBS, from PBS to when it becomes syndicated, um, then it goes through the, each of their passings over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really a dope podcast. So I invite everybody to okay, to very check nice. That out if you can, all right, all right, all right, all right, okay, all right. Now let's see where we are time wise. Oh, we are clicking along. We are moving. Moving along. Moving at a steady pace. A steady pace, Vince. And it is now time for the game show that is sweeping the nation. That's the key. Why you would be surprised what a person can do with just a sense of touch and a sense of sound. Hey. 
Yes, it's time for Six Degrees of Dervell Martin. Six Degrees of Dervell Martin. That's right, where Vincent will try to get from 70s black action hero Dervell Martin. Dervell Martin. In six movies or less, two, two. Another one of the famed Hollywood denizens that I present to him. Right. Chosen by Lynn Webb. That's right. And Vincent, oh, we've got two. It is a battle of wits. It is. It is. Now, I decided to play in your wheelhouse, Vincent. Oh. For longtime listeners of the show, they know that you and I, along with being lovers of movies, we're also lovers of comic books. We are. We are indeed. So I dug into the world of superheroes. Interesting. Yes. So... First up, first, get from Dervell Martin in six moves or less to the not first, not even the second, but the third live action Batman, Adam West. Adam West. Okay. Okay. This is going to be a good one. <laughs> okay. Dervell Martin. Yes. Is in. Sheba Baby. Yes, he is in Sheba Baby. With Foxy Brown. Well, with Pam Greer. I'm sorry, with Pam Greer. Yes. Pam Greer Mm -hmm. is in Jackie Brown. Yes. With Samuel Jackson. Okay. Samuel L. Jackson Mm -hmm. is in Django Unchained. Okay. With Russ... And, and and you're gonna have to help me here. Oh, Not okay. Russ Meyer. Russ um is his, is his name Russ Hamlin? Um hold on. It might be is it is it Russ Hamlin? Django Unchained cast. Hold on. Let's 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 check it out. Let's check it out. It's a very small role. Let's see. Russ, Russ, Russ is Kurt Russell. Mm-mm. Um, I'm looking through. It's, it's Russ Tamlin it's with Russ Tamlin. Russ Tamlin. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right, all right. Watch my team. is in Seven Brides. Oh my! God. For Seven Brothers. Okay, all right. With Miss Julie Newmar, who is in Batman: The Motion Picture with Adam West. Wow, wait, wait a minute. Let me just check this. Checking Take seven, your time, brother. I'm checking the seven brides for seven. Take your time. Is she one of the brides? She is indeed one of the brides. Let's see. Take your time. I'm I'm looking here. I'm looking. Uh, yes. Julie Newmar is in Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Very good, Vincent. Oh, yeah. Vincent. Yeah. <laughs> My God, Ben. You are Roger Ebert. <laughs> You are Roger Ebert. <laughs> Jesus. What what movie was Adam Weston besides Batman? <laughs> I'm glad you asked. 
because I don't know any other movie besides Batman that he was in, except for, and I want to make sure that I get the, I believe, I believe he's in the Three Stooges Go West. (laughs) I'm going to go check. I'm going to check because honestly, I was in my mind. I said, he's got to use Batman because <laughs> I'm pretty sure you can't get to the three suits. go west. I could have gone through Burgess Meredith, but I was so happy to bring up seven brides for seven brothers. I said, oh, I'm getting to Julie Newmore. <laughs> <laughs> um, he was in probably could use Frank Gershwin too. Not I sit here and think George about. Gershwin. I'm I mean, sorry, not George no, Gershwin. Frank- Frank Gorshin. Gorshin, yeah. I know you were saying. He's Frank Gorshin. Um, He is in the Three Stooges movie, but it's not called the Three Stooges Go West. It's the Outlaws is coming. Yeah, I wouldn't have guessed that. I wouldn't have guessed that. It was the final theatrical comedy starring the Three Stooges. Right, right. Yeah, I was going to have to go through Batman. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Batman. And and suffice to say, the Outlaws is coming predates batman okay all right so, yeah. yeah before he made his mark yeah yeah in hollywood very good vincent thank you that's a good one adam west very good vincent um all right we've got another one for you vincent. all right still in the world of superheroes still in the world of superheroes. still in the world of superheroes Who so we got? six movies or less six movies or less get from derville martin derville martin to look up in the sky oh it's a bird uh-huh. It's a plane. Uh-huh. It's Supergirl Helen Ooh, Slater. Helen Slater. Yes. Oh. Now if you've if you've already mapped away to Helen Slater. No, no, I haven't mapped away Helen Slater at all. Helen Slater, who got her movie break. In Supergirl, it's her first. Movie. Wow, is that her first? And then the only movie. other thing she was in was what the Ballad of Billie Jean. She was in the Legend of Billie Jean. She's actually in a few, not, not a, like great movies, but she is uh, in 1986. She's in Ruthless People. Remember Ruthless People? That's the um, Danny a, DeVito, yeah, movie. Uh, and Bette Midler. I was about to say, she's in The Secret of My Success with uh, Michael J. Fox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I can, I could probably get to. She's in get City through. Slickers. Is she in City Slickers? I mean, I don't know what she is, but it's on her IMDb. She's yeah, in City Slickers. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. So Helen Slater. All right. Darvell Martin mm-hmm. is in. Is in hell up in harlem Mm. Mm -hmm. with fred williamson who's in three the hard way with jim brown who's in the split with gene hackman Mm -hmm. who's in superman the motion picture with and I forget the I don't I forget no one knows the actor's name. What's the what's the dude's name that plays Jimmy Olsen? Oh um, good question. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming you're going to say he's in Supergirl. Yeah. Um, so that would be Mark McClure. Mark McClure, who's in Supergirl with Helen Slater. Boy, that's a deep cut. 
Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's either that or or like who? Like all? he's the only person from that movie. I know from Superman. That's that's, that's the Super- connective tissue. Yeah. And who all is in the Legend of Billie Jean? In the Legend of Billie Jean, because is that her real life brother that plays her brother in the film? No, oh, that's a, you're asking me questions for which I do not know the answer. You know, I love The Legend of Billie Jean because Michael Jackson was so big, they made a movie that had absolutely nothing to do with Michael Jackson or Michael Jackson's music. Mm-hmm. It just had the word Billie Jean in it, mm-hmm. and somehow it became a thing. I don't see any mention of, of it being her brother, and I don't see, like, there's not another Slater. Is it, oh, no, Christian Slater. Is, is, is Christian Slater her brother? I think so. I'm pretty sure they're actual siblings. Well, let's find out. Let's find out. It, it, I, I don't know if that's really her, her sibling. That's not really her sibling? Yeah, no. Because okay. it's, it's not mentioned any place in her. Uh, yeah, a common misconception is that she's related to Christian Slater. Got you. All right. Well, I'll, I'll go with the Jimmy Olsen then. Well, Jimmy that's my Olsen final answer. Get you there. Now, I'm curious. See, and I should have assumed you went, went with Jimmy Olsen. Mm-hmm. But I'm wondering if there could have been a way to get there easierly by using Faye Dunaway, who's the I villain. I forgot Faye Dunaway yeah. is in there. Yeah. Right. So, so. And you know who else is in there? And like, it, and I seriously, if I saw Supergirl, it was years ago. So I don't. It was really dull. You know who else is in there? Who? At, on, obviously cashing a check. Peter O'Toole. Peter O'Toole is in Supergirl. Yes, Lawrence of Arabia is in Supergirl. Well, I mean, Bonnie of Bonnie and Clyde is in there too. So. Right, right, right. So who, who, who am I to not? Well, that was well done, Vincent. Oh, thank you, sir. I am, I am surprised. And yes, Farrell Blackwell, he did not use five on the black hand side. I did not. He did not. I did not. Not at all. So, I mean, even we are all the more impressed. All the more. By you not using the key that was in your pocket. And I got to talk about Russ Tamlin. And how many times does that come up? Not enough as far as I'm concerned, because between Seven Brides for Seven Brothers and West Side Story, it seems like it should come up all the time. It really shouldn't. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm not going to piss on a man's grave. And it really Russ Tamlin had the, the axe handle yeah. and was jumping over it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That, <laughs> that movie. When you told me what that, like, because I've never seen Seven Brides. <laughs> but when you told me what, like, what the story, like, for people who don't. I was about to say, we should push that up. Actually, that's one of my favorite little things that we did. Our little musical thing. Yeah, yeah. 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 We should pull that out of the crates. Yeah. We got to find, f- figure out which episode that was on. That was- no, it was its own little thing. Was it? Yeah. We, you actually have it cut up as a, um, oh, as a, a, a as a binge lounge. I sure do. Cause yeah. it was, you know, it was like 12 minutes. It was. Yeah. You know what? I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll put it out. There. Yeah. Pull that out and push that to the, I'm gonna pull that. I'm pulling are, it out. Are talking about seven brothers, and that'll be something. That'll be seven a, brothers, an added download for yeah. you, all of you listening to the podcast. Right, right. Check the feed. That'll also be up, so you can check it out. Yeah, because yeah, you <laughs> need to hear the story if you don't know of what Seven Brides for Seven Brothers is about. Because I didn't know. 
and the joy I had telling you about yeah. Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mr. Tembo and Zambia. <laughs> if you got problems with Aaron Hall. <laughs> Wait till we tell you, Wait till you tell you about these seven brothers. <laughs> and ain't no metaphors. Oh, there ain't no metaphors in this one. Oh no. Oh my god. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, oh god. Yeah, big fan of Russ Tamlin. Big oh fan. boy. Big fan. Oh boy. All right. All right. All right. Let's um All right, it's time to get to our review. <laughs> time to get into our review of Beverly Hills Cop. We'll be back with the film review soon as we do something funky and have steps in it. Beverly Hills Cop, directed by Martin Bress, written by Daniel Petrie, and starring the one and the only Eddie Murphy as Axel Foley, a street-smart Detroit cop who visits Beverly Hills, California to solve the murder of his best friend. Co-starring Judge Reinhold, John Ashton, Lisa Eilbacher, Stephen Burkhoff, Paul Reiser, Mm. Jonathan Banks, Mm -hmm. Blink, and you won't miss him, Hmm. Damon Wayans, Blink, and you may miss one of the best performances in the movie, Bronson P. Show. Mm. And the always fantastic Ronnie Cox. <laughs> this 1984 action film was Vincent's selection for this stop on the Me Show mission. Vincent, what say you of Beverly Hills Cop? I think Beverly Hills Cop casts such a large shadow Mm -hmm. on movies that you forget 
to watch the movie itself. Hmm. So much of the DNA of this film is in so much of what we talk about with entertainment. Whether we are, you, you know, obviously the the sort of the 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 sort of obvious places where you see its influence, whether you're talking about the work that Chris Tucker has done with Jet Li or Jackie I'm sorry, Chan. with Jackie Chan or, 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 or frankly, many of the characters that Will Smith has played mm-hmm. over the years. But I would argue Chris Pratt is is, you see him pulling from this, like so many of the, the wise acre action here, Ryan Reynolds. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think there's a straight line to this film. And this is a film that since it debuted in 84, immediately just became part of the fabric of, of film and in the way we talk about film and this and the other. So that, I really tried to pull some observations and, and I really have sort of, uh, you know, four kind of big observations. Okay. To kind of start. Hit me. First is that this is a legit action film. Yep. This is not a comedy. Nope. I, I think we, we, we've we talked about it but previously. It's worth noting. This is a film, the development of the film. Um, it was developed as an action film and as a thriller and and started with Mickey Rourke apparently, but most famously Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, it really got cooking under right. Sylvester. Was was attached to this, and and then he passed passed the um he he passed, and then Eddie Murphy was attached, and there was some rewriting mm. to fit Eddie Murphy in the film. But you can tell that this is a film that this is an actual action film. Mm-hmm. And that is significant in the way that Murphy works within this movie, because this is not a comedian in a comedy and, and the, 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 the sort of narrative environment is funny. So everybody is making jokes and you're just sort of navigating that. No, this is a film where Eddie Murphy is except for a couple of moments and you named them, frankly, you know, Bronson Pin- Pinchat, Pinchot, Pinchot and Damon Wayans both have one scene, mm-hmm. but everybody else is playing this straight. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing. The second thing is the plot is pretty lean and straightforward. As you said, you're kind, I'm sorry. <laughs> you're kind. It it really isn't a plot, you know. Right. As you said, Eddie Murphy's friend, uh, I'm sorry, Axel Foley's friend that he went to high school with comes to visit him in Detroit. Both of them have had this sort of checkered past together mm-hmm. when they were kids. Mm-hmm. It's 1984, so you forgive the clumsy foreshadowing because this is when when this this trope was invented but you know he hugs axel foley tells him how much he loves him and Mm -hmm. and and you can tell he has a big big x over him Mm -hmm. like this is going to be the catalyst right but when axel foley goes to beverly hills 
and immediately spots the gallery owner as the murderer. That's the end of the plot development. Pretty much. Like, this is who did it. Mm -hmm. This is what I'm going to do. And then the film just sort of unfolds until you get to that. Yeah. Third, coming off of that, coming off of the fact that there isn't a lot of plot. Mm -hmm. This is a film that is really only interested in teeing up a play and teeing up a scene so that Eddie Murphy can be Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Scene after scene after scene, it, it's it's basically a variation of the Torchy scene mm-hmm. from 48 Hours mm-hmm. that launched Eddie Murphy into the stratosphere. For someone who's a policeman, it's fascinating how little Axel Foley pulls his badge out. Right. Like, he really does talk himself into play. He talks himself into a gallery. He talks himself into a warehouse. Mm -hmm. He talks himself into restaurants. He talks himself into all these places. He talks himself into a partnership. Even when he pulls out a badge, he lies about what the badge is. Mm -hmm. And this is really just all about Eddie Murphy being Eddie Murphy at this moment. 48 hours, you get a peek at him where he basically takes over the movie. Mm-hmm. Trading Places is a comedy, but in a lot of ways, it's an ensemble. More so, yeah. More so than this. But this is really the starring vehicle. Exactly. For Eddie Murphy. Exactly. And as Eddie Murphy in 1984, it you you completely get it. Like, watching it again, watching it after everything, like, every, you know, 2022... We know Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy is an icon. Everything. You've seen this movie, I don't know how many times, but you absolutely understand how this worked Mm -hmm. and how Hollywood and the world had never seen anything like Eddie Murphy. Mm -hmm. He is so charismatic. He's funny. But I think what's more important than his humor is his timing. Yeah. yeah. The way he moves through the scenes, the, the, the way he bounces off of one thing that I think, you, you know, I mentioned, I mentioned performers who have pulled from this. Mm-hmm. And whether we are talking about um, a Chris Tucker or, or Martin Lawrence or, or, or Christopher Pratt or Ryan Reynolds even. I think something that very few performers get across as much as Eddie Murphy does in Beverly Hills Cop is just how smart he is. Mm. Like he's so like he's so much smarter than everyone in the room. It's it's I hesitate to do this because it's a sports analogy. (laughs) You might be messing. I'll, I'll tell you if you go astray. Well, as someone who didn't watch sports, I heard about Michael Jordan way before I saw Michael Jordan. Mm. Like, I remember this bubbling, you know, this guy, Michael Jordan, Michael, and, you know, we're old enough to remember when Michael Jordan actually played. Mm-hmm. 
But I have a distinct memory the very first time I actually sat and watched this guy. Okay. Like this guy that that everybody, my brother and everybody's talking about. And in his prime, it really was like he was moving at a different speed mm-hmm. than everyone. Like it was almost like it, we were talking about the Matrix during the break, but it was almost like other people were moving in slow motion and he was just darting in between them. Mm-hmm. And that's what you get with Eddie Murphy in this film where he's just darting in between all the other players. Got you. Yeah. yeah. So that just through his sheer being, he elevates this film to the point where you understand how it was, what it was. Mm-hmm. But he also elevates this film present tense where it holds up, where, again, you've seen this movie a million times. You know the beats. Mm -hmm. Everyone has stolen from this movie for the past 30 years. Mm -hmm. But it still holds up. And I think Eddie Murphy in 1984 is, is just this really fascinating, singular performer especially when you think about the fact that a he's fairly asexual he doesn't have a love interest there's maybe one or two moments in the film where he acknowledges the female form mm-hmm. b textually it's pretty deracialized like Eddie Murphy, you know, Eddie Murphy, I think, has these very obviously racialized markers. Like he's obviously a yeah, black man. Yeah. Yeah. But there's one moment where the the police chief in in Los Angeles tells him he looks like a hoodlum, mm-hmm. which you can, you know, obviously squint your eyes and say, is that some race stuff? But besides that, there's never an explicit reference. Not really. To him being a black man. Right. Navigating, you know, these white spaces. These and if fer- it is, it's made by him. And if it is, it's made by him. And for him to be able to be desexualized, deracialized, but still be fully Eddie Murphy, mm-hmm. I think is this testament to Eddie Murphy at this moment. So that it, it, it I don't really have anything that controversial to say this was a triumph when it came out and it remains a triumph. It is. And like you said, I think it is, it is a triumph primarily, if not solely because of Eddie Murphy. Cause as you pointed out, watching this movie again, it is a, a action movie first, you know, um, the story is paper thin. Um, and even the because he, he goes to L.A. to Beverly Hills to solve the murder of his best friend that happened in Chicago, you know, um, or Detroit, excuse me, in Detroit. Um, and he, you know, traces it back to Beverly Hills. And there you get a few scenes, a few moments of him being a fish out of water in Beverly Hills. Um and before he he locks eyes on the gallery owner 
who pretty much is the the big bad of the mo- the movie played by Stephen Burkoff, uh, the Victor Baitlin character. And after that, this basically becomes uh, it, it really almost becomes like you know Columbo the movie because mm. you already know who the bad guy is, you already know he did it, and it's just a matter of how is Axel Foley, you know, Columbo without the jacket, um, going to figure it out. Right. And he basically figured it out by going to a warehouse, leaving the warehouse, returning to the warehouse, and oh boy, he figured it out. That's pretty much it. And everything else, like you said, is basically uh, uh, an opportunity to set up Eddie Murphy to, you know, say a couple of lines, but more just be Eddie Murphy. Because you understand when you read the backstory on the script, there's a lot of riffing by Eddie Murphy mm-hmm. in this movie. Which at this moment in 1984, his star ascending so high in in Hollywood that it makes sense you you give this man the lead to to rock and roll with this, and he's funny, but he's not drop dead. It's like I think there's a reason why, especially Bronson Pinchot's scene stands out so much because it is one. No, he's riffing a little bit, but a lot of that is it's written. It's there on the script. Right. It's right there in the script. Whereas Eddie is kind of like he he he's riffing. He's and some of some of the jokes come off as maybe a little bit reaching and some some of the jokes land. It all gets a pass because it's Eddie Murphy. It's right. just like you said. Like, you know, you like me and you can shoot a jumper. We can shoot 20 straight jumpers, and they all go, well, I can shoot 20 straight jumpers. And they could go all uh, go in one after another. And it's like, oh my God, Len is knocking these jumpers. Michael Jordan comes and shoots one jumper. It's like, oh my God, that's such the best jumper I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. No one's ever shot a jumper like but That is what Eddie Murphy is in 1984. He is now already in, in this early into his film career. He's already conquered TV through Saturday Night Live. He's already st- Stolen movies from Nick Nolte and Dan Aykroyd, mm-hmm. who even more so than Nick, than Nick Nolte in Forty Eight Hours, Dan Aykroyd is standing on equal footing with Yo, Eddie Murphy yeah. in Trading Places, and 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 Eddie steals the movie from him. He's already so big that they they force him into a Dudley Moore movie <laughs> just so that it can make a little bit of money. Right, right, right. right. You know? So, um, he, he, at this point, you know, yeah, this was a vehicle for Sylvester Stallone. So, Sylvester Stallone um, passes on it. Honestly, by the time that he was passing on it, the producers had already gotten wind that they maybe could get Eddie Murphy. So, they were kind of like, helping push Sylvester out of the way <laughs> right. so that we could, you're like, oh, you want to go do Cobra? I was about to say, so he can make Cobra. You want to go do Cobra? <laughs> you know what? Because it's you, Sly, go go make Cobra, bro. Go make Cobra, Here's bro. Here's some sunglasses. And before he's on the plane, they've made the deal with Eddie Murphy right, right. for Beverly Hills Cop for this movie. So they already know what they have right, right there. And and Eddie pulls this, he 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 pulls the train along. There's um 
there's a reason why, like I said, Bronson Pinchot, there's a reason why Damon Wayans, he gets a pass because he really is. He's very early in his career. It's mm-hmm. literally 20 seconds in the movie. Yeah. It's, it's, an, it's a funny bit. It's whatever. But it's a re- reason why Bronson Pinchot, and even more to his point, the actor Ronnie Cox, who plays like the, the chief of detectives yeah. in Beverly Hills. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why they stand out because one, they're strong performers, especially Ronnie Cox, um, who pretty much makes uh, um, he makes his place known in this in this movie. Like he will not be denied his place whenever he has to deliver some lines. Mm -hmm. Because when you think about it, think about all these action movies. When has the chief of the detectives? ever become that much a part of the story right but that's a a testament to ronnie cox revisionist history tells us that just like beverly hills cop 2 that eddie goes to beverly hills and he teams up with um judge reinhold judge reinhold and john ashton's Mm -hmm. detectives and they have wacky adventures no that doesn't happen till two. Right. In That's this right. one, they pretty much are just along for the rides, get a couple of lines here and there, but they really are just the audience watching the birth of Eddie Murphy superstar happen along with us. Right. Throughout this entire movie. Like there's there's a couple of moments where you can see them, it's supposed to be their scenes, but they don't even really land because one, they don't the film doesn't give them a enough real estate to really push it. Um, and two, the film can't wait to turn the cameras back onto Eddie. And and again, he's like, you know, he's like a silverfish. I mean, he's just moving. Right. And you can't the blame film. him. And you, can, you can't blame them. Right. One like who can iota. keep up with him? No, you can't. You can't. And, and it, 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 it's like what I was struck by watching this film again is one, I remember falling in love with the soundtrack when I first saw it in 1984. <laughs> the soundtrack is, if you're back in 1984, this is still a great soundtrack. Everybody's doing the Neutron dance, <laughs> you know, um, Pointer Sisters doing the thing. Patti LaBelle is, 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 is rocking out in, in this, you know, that's in 1984. Listen to them in 2022. <laughs> it's like, Boy, those sound like good 1984 tracks. Say, 1984. Oh boy, oh, it was it was nice visiting you. <laughs> you know, right? So and then so then you just kind of keep it moving. But then I I was like, but I should be in for a really fun time. Mm-hmm. And it really, it really is not you. And the signs of it is this movie. Whereas an Eddie Murphy movie, you figure you're going to be introduced to Eddie and it's going to be like funny and, and a funny comedic bit and everything. And it is a little funny in the yeah, beginning when you yeah. see him in the back of this truck, you know, he's about to kind of like pull, like kind of sting on these guys. Right. That lasts for maybe a minute. Yeah. Before you're in to like a five minute truck chase scene at the top of this movie. Cool scene. Right, right. You know, great scene. You know, legitimate uh, action sequence. Legitimate action sequence. Tribute to having you know, um, you know, uh, 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 live effects, live trucks driving through mm-hmm. the streets of Detroit. You know, there's none of this, no CGI happening there. Great scene. But you know, and I love Eddie Murphy, 
But that could have been Sylvester Stallone in the back of that truck. That could have yes. been Arnold Schwarzenegger. Name your 80s action star in the back yes, of the truck. Yes, absolutely. You know what I mean? Um, and it, it, this, and and that pretty much continues on for the rest of this movie. You got to remember, the template for the 80s action film, the reason why they wanted Sylvester Stallone is because he and Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jean-Claude De- Von Damme and Chuck Norris, they had set this template. It was mm-hmm. like this big, tough guy was going to, you know, be, you know, taking names and kicking asses right. as they solved this some crime or murder or, or what have you. And maybe every once in a while they were crack, crack wise. Sylvester Stallone passes on this movie because, one, he doesn't believe that his audience will believe that he doesn't know his way around Beverly Hills. Right. Ah, the hell out of here. Um, so, and because by that time in 1984, Sylvester Stallone is believing his own freaking hype. Well, yeah. You know, he is smelling the hell out of himself. Yeah, look, and it man. don't stink. Look. So, 84. So, I mean, what years? What's Rocky 2? Rocky 2 is what, 78? Right. So, by the time we get to. Yeah, yeah Rocky 2 is 79, mm-hmm. so, which means that Rocky 3 is 82 yeah. yeah yeah and you know where rocky rocky three puts him uh, in the stratosphere and rocky four is 85 so he's about to film rocky four so mm-hmm. and and he's and he, he's doing he's doing his his cobra thing right a movie that i saw alone in the movie theaters. i know you told me it's the saddest thing it's the saddest thing. It, it, yes in in many ways you're bringing down the room even even <laughs> referencing it. it yeah but yeah so so um this is just a straight out action film that has all of those templates. The difference in this one is, is that it is Eddie Murphy who, instead of just cracking wise, he can riff. He yes. can crack wise and he can just keep it going, you know, um, and carry everybody else through this film and carry this film on his back and make it as memorable as you believe it is. And, and again, I was trying to think of someone before Eddie Murphy who disrupted the template like this. Like like you have this comedic actor in an action film. Hmm. Like Chevy Chase makes Fletch right around this time. Yeah, but, but that's, that's not straight, really an action film. Yeah, that's like a straight comedy. Right, right. I mean, you know... <laughs> And it's almost is it a strat? Is would you call Fletch, Fletch a comedy? No, I'm, like I would think about that more as maybe a, a funny episode of Columbo. Well, I was going to say it's a comedy, but it's a comedy in the way that the early Pink Panther movies, right? Were a but but like you said, an actual again, this is the type of role that Will Smith and Ryan Reynolds and Chris Pratt. Like, this is their bread and butter. Mm-hmm. Like, this Jurassic World that's about to come out, Chris Pratt is basically Axel Foley. Okay. Like, I'm going to crack jokes, and I'm going to do my little thing, but I'm in an actual adventure film. Mm-hmm. Did anyone do this before Beverly Hills Cop? Like, that's my, like, like that's an actual question, because I couldn't think of anyone. Either, like you said, it was a comedy Mm-hmm. Or it was an action film, and, and like you said, like everyone you just named, they might crack a joke, 
but but there's no question that Arnold and 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 so and Sly and Chuck Norris, like these are tough guys. No, I can't think of it. I mean, there was a lane he never certainly never, you know, drove down the lane. There was a lane, I think, for Richard Pryor, maybe to have done it. But he totally went another way. And he wasn't in any action films. No, but I, th- I, I think if he had leaned that way, coming out of the black exploitation era, he could have. Right. But he, he and maybe it just wasn't in him. Just you know, wasn't in him. Yeah. To, to do it. Um. So no, he didn't do it. A lot of the stars of black exploitation took themselves way too serious. Right. Right. Like Fred Williamson wasn't going to do it. James Jim Brown wasn't going to do it. Right. And and like you said, now we're in the eighties, and certainly. The, the 80s stars weren't going to do it. Like, I think Eddie Murphy invented a brand new thing. Yeah, you did. You know, and you know, you mentioned Will Smith and Chris Pratt. You know, another one who... And Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. Another one who kind of follows in his wake, and we haven't touched on any of his movies really yet Um, before we get to 300. Martin Lawrence, kind of... Martin Lawrence. Yeah. Martin Lawrence is an... I'm, I mean, we're obviously coming to Bad Boys. Yeah. But in a lot of ways, Bad Boys is the direct descendant... Oh, yeah. ...of this. Most certainly. In, in, in many in ways. In many ways. many ways. Yeah. Yeah. You know... um, Wow, I was going to say Damon Wayans, but he really didn't know. He only did... Um, I mean, he was in The Last Boy Scout. He was, yeah. The I think Boy that's Scout, his I big... Think, I think the only one who... I don't know. Nobody, certainly nobody before him. Right. Certainly no one before him. You could argue Keenan Ivory Wayans in um, Low Down Dirty Shame. Yeah, but even that's at after. Right, right. You know? Um, oh, yeah. Well, I can't think of anyone before. There's, there's, nobody, there's nobody before yeah. him. Yeah. He, he has it all to himself. You, you know, it, it, you know, you always second guess thing, bringing up the name. You know, I mentioned um, uh, prior. There could have been a lane at one time for Bill Cosby to go through there because of I Spy. He was a hit on I Spy. He was a hit on I Spy. You know, the weird thing about I Spy, Bill Cosby is not that funny on I Spy. Well, it's not a comedy. Here's the thing. Robert Culp is actually pretty funny on I Spy. Well, yeah, because they're playing him up. He is definitely right. The they're playing him star. up. He usually has the the and romance. Robert Cole, he 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 has a way of acting that is funny, even when he's not trying to be funny. Right. Well, I'm just saying, like you like this kind of mix of genres. Mm-hmm. But you're right, Bill Cosby. Bill Cosby at that time would I have mean, been great in the '70s in a version of this. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, he does the Sidney Poitier movies. I think if he had maybe leaned a one way or another, he could have. We actually talked about it when we talked about a piece of the action. If if a piece of the action would have been a better film, yeah, that would have chosen a lane. Mm-hmm. Like there's a Instead version of, of a piece of the action that yep. just leans on the two of them mm-hmm. as action heroes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That could have done this. Yeah, but alas, no one did it until Eddie. until now. Until Eddie, yeah, and he, and he does run away with it, you know. Like, he, look, where does he go after Beverly Hills Cop? I mean, he goes to um, what Beverly Hills Cop two. Uh, let's let's go through his filmography. This is nineteen eighty four. Well, the funny thing is, I'm I'm ready to argue 
He really he does. never matches the lightning in the bottle of Beverly Hills Cop. Like I think after this, he leans into the comedy. I don't know about that because I think, and it's been a minute since I've seen it, but I think Beverly Hills Cop Two is a better movie. Oh, I watched twenty minutes of Beverly Hills Cop Two, and I disagree with you. And fair, yeah. After the, fair, yeah. I haven't seen it, and and I don't know how long. But after this, he does um, the Golden Child, which is okay. I don't think the Golden Child is as bad as people say it is. Yeah, it. But it's it's okay. Yeah, it's very okay. Uh, then he does Beverly Hills Cop Two, right? Then he does. Then actually, you think he maybe stays in this lane for for longer than but he really he does, does. Not he doesn't because after that is Eddie Murphy Raw, right? And then and then we, coming to America. I was about to say now you're heading right. And then he retreats yep. back for another forty eight hours. Yeah, which yeah. is not that good. Not that good. No, it's not. It's not. Yeah, it's it's it. Like you said, it seems like. He stayed in this space. Yeah, but he really. But he really does. He really doesn't. Not 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 long at all. You know. Like I think the next time he really kind of circles back to try and get this th- this this dynamic of the comedian in an action film is damn near Metro. Well, I mean, I mean, Beverly Hills Cop Three. I was about to say. Putting aside sequels to this, okay, okay, yeah, you're right, you're right. It is Metro because after you know you've got Beverly Hills Cop two eighty seven and Eddie Murphy Raw in eighty seven eighty eight. It's got Coming to America eighty nine Harlem Nights ninety another forty eight hours ninety two is Boomerang and the Distinguished Gentleman, both comedies. Ninety four is Beverly Hills Cop three ninety five Vampire in Brooklyn comedy well i mean that's comedy horror right so you know he did try and mix it but he's trying to mix and it he up definitely is trying bit. to play it more straight in that yeah movie. Mm-hmm. um 96 and 96 is the nutty professor right and he, obviously a comedy and so he, when's metro metro is 97 right but you want to you, you got to think that he probably films metro right after nutty professor mm-hmm. nutty professor blows up and then after that outside um after that then he's got Mulan, Dr. Doolittle, Holy Man and then he's not really into like another movie that we really like until Life. Yeah. I mean I shouldn't say we we like. And cause, again, cuz Mulan he I, I, is then firmly in comedies. You got Metro which you just mentioned. Mhm. Um you know Dream Girls well, Dream Girls is late, much later. Yeah, I mean, in between there, you got Doctor Doolittle, Holy Man, Life, Bowfinger, Nutty Professor Two, Shrek, Doctor Doolittle Two, Showtime, <sighs> The Adventures of Pluto Nash, which is a missed opportunity. I Showtime might be in that quality aside. Showtime might be in this space. In, in this space, and so is I Spy, maybe. Because I Spy, and, but by no, now, no, what, no, I Spy was a straight comedy, was it? Yeah, oh, because it that's spoof, because it's him and it's him um, and um Owen Wilson. Yeah, but that's a straight comedy. Yeah, a bit of a spoof on the whole. You know, now the unintentional result of this conversation is I want to go back and watch Metro and Showtime. 
Eventually, I think we will have to get to them. I was about to say we have to. <laughs> we're not going to get to them any. We're not going to, to them tonight. Not tonight. Not getting to, well. May's coming up. Yeah, you know. So something else. Speaking of Eddie Murphy, as this deracialized or 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 deracialized, de um sexualized being. A few months ago, we were talking about Whoopi Goldberg and how Whoopi Goldberg has the same type of challenge during this period. And and I'm thinking specifically the conversation that we had around Jumping Jack Flash. Mm-hmm. And we talked about Whoopi Goldberg. They very deracialized, very desexualized. And for her films, it doesn't work. But I think the difference between Whoopi Goldberg's work in the 80s mm-hmm. and Beverly Hills Cop and and quietly a, a fair amount of, of Eddie Murphy work during this period is that they let Eddie Murphy be Eddie Murphy. Like they just let him go. Like, mm-hmm. like you said, you, you talked about the fact that the script had a fair amount of space mm-hmm. for him to just be Eddie Murphy. Mm-hmm. And I think the difference outside of sexism, like I think you always got to acknowledge the sexism of just him being a man and Whoopi Goldberg being a woman. But I do think because Whoopi Goldberg was more of an accomplished actress, mm. traditional in the, in the traditional sense, I don't know how much filmmakers left her space Mm -hmm. to just riff and improvise and do things the way they did Eddie Murphy. Well, I think the difference also is that Whoopi Goldberg is not a traditional comedian in that way. And then there's the fact that she's not actually a comedian like that. You got to remember what, what blows her up is her one woman show. Right. Where she, takes on these different characters right and she's basically a storyteller and, it, and basically right yeah. you know Whoopi Goldberg probably t- more to me always seemed more of a you know um, cultural descendant of Lily Tomlin because that's the oh, that's, that that's Lily very Tomlin true was, was yeah in, you know yeah um, and the films that Whoopi was given in the height of her powers were basically just, you know, oh, it's a funny chick. Well, we'll let her riff. That's not Whoopi. Whoopi still needs right. a smart script from which to kind of like d- build a, a character and find some nuance. Yeah, I, I still think there was this very deliberate neutering. Oh no, I, of I Whoopi agree Goldberg with that. I agree that with you that. don't get with Eddie Murphy, no, even even no. in Beverly Hills Cop. Like, I think there really is this open space for him. And, and one of the things I always think when I see Beverly Hills Cop, and as I said, for someone like me, it shouldn't work, mm-hmm. but it does mm-hmm. because it's Eddie Murphy and because they give him this space. And I always sort of think, wow, I wish Whoopi Goldberg had a version of this film that they would let her just do her thing. Or I wish she had. Yeah. And she didn't. 
but I I wish that somebody had just given her the money to really sit down and write a script. I don't know I that know. Eddie, if if Whoopi has ever been given the opportunity to just create a movie for herself. I, I mean, the, the time has passed, unfortunately. Now, right, right. Well, uh, well, you know, she's at a different a different phase in her career. Different phase in her career, but you know, but uh, but you actually had a little teaser. You said that the success of this film affected a celebrity's career. Oh. And I was wondering who you were talking about. I was talking specifically about Sylvester Stallone. Oh, right. Because he does go off to do Cobra, Cobra. which is a huge bomb. Yeah. A huge bomb. Um, But because of the hubris that he shows in Cobra, this begins the downward slide. I think a little bit prematurely for Sylvester Stallone in his career. Um, mm. And that's what I was, was really getting at. I mean, don't get me wrong. He's still Sylvester Stallone. He's going to have, you know, his hits that are going to sprinkle up every now and then. But I think that for the most part, you can hold on. I had it right here track he he's not really the same his career is never really the same i mean i hear you but a year after cobra he makes over the top yeah the greatest film ever made about competitive arm wrestling so that contradicts your little narrative i think um i noticed that the criterion collection released their class of 2022 of 2022 that's going to get the criterion collection treatment. And I'm waiting for someone to really do something with over the top. Well, here's the thing from uh, 1987 after <laughs> where he plays Lincoln link Hawk, a competitive arm wrestler. You ever see over the top? I, I have. Seen yeah, yeah. Top. <laughs> I have, I have seen th- that uh, sweaty movie. Even in 87, I was like, I, okay, this is a bit much. This is a, you're stretching it. This is, this, is, this is what we're doing. This is what yeah. competitive arm wrestling, huh? Like worldwide wrestling of <laughs> arm wrestling. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, eighty four is when you know Beverly Hills Cop comes out. In eighty four, Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> That's also the year Rhinestone comes out. Is in Rhinestone. He's in Rhinestone with a Dolly musical Parton. comedy with Dolly Parton. <laughs> Now, Dolly, she wants herself some Sylvester Stallone. She gets Sylvester Stallone. It's, I I don't, I think it's fair to say this was a miss. This did not, Rhinestone was not a hit. I'm a New York cabbie named Nick Martinelli. You going to make me into a country singer? The movie cost $28 million. It made $21 million. That is the definition of not a hit. Okay. He then returns with Rambo First Blood Part Two. Um, now, admittedly, that's a hit. Oh, that's and that's a real good movie. Mm. Oh, I love for you're crazy. The Rambo movies are fantastic. No, 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 no. Why why do you hate America? First Blood. Why do you hate America? First Blood, the first movie, no. is a good movie. Rambo First Blood 2 is fantastic. Yeah. No. Anyway, I, I disagree. But it's a hit. 
It's a hit. I'm gonna give it. I, I'm. I'll give it up that it's a hit. But then he follows. He follows that up with Rocky Four. Now, yeah. All you, all you people kneel at the altar of Rocky Four. That's right. And Rocky Four is a hit. Yes. But Rocky Four is a bad movie. You know what? Rocky Why Four, do you hate America? Rocky Four is nothing but three montages and two fights. You're the best. Oh, oh wait, no, 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 never mind. That's no, a karate I had a tiger. Kid. Yeah, I had a tiger. That, yeah. That's what Rocky Four. Now, what do most of these films have in common? Sylvester Stallone writes these movies. You know Because Sylvester Stallone, because he 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 lucked up with Rocky. Now believes that he is a writer. He is an auteur, as it were. And after that comes Cobra, over the top. Over the top. That's about that's that's about professional arm wrestling. Because <laughs> remember, they had the little thing in the middle that you hold on to. As you, I was like, they really thought this out. They, they thought out all the mechanics. Um, yes. Uh, then he's got uh, Rambo 3, mm-hmm. Lock Up, Tango and Cash. Tango and Cash is not bad. Right. Tango and Cash is a dumb movie. But it's not bad. It's a dumb But it's entertaining. It's a dumb I'm movie. not mad at Tango I and defy Cash. You. I've watched it again recently and it's like, oh my God, this movie is dumb. It's, and I love Kurt Russell. It's a dumb movie. And you know why? You know why it's a dumb movie, Vincent? Because of Sylvester Stallone? Yes, because Sylvester Stallone wrote is taking himself too freaking seriously. Yeah, yeah. He didn't write it, but it's it's just it's just dumb. I'll Montango and Cash. And then after returning once again <laughs> to Rocky because Rocky he needs five. money. That's right. So he goes to Rocky Five. He then comes back with Oscar. I've I've I have a soft spot for Oscar. Are you serious? <gasps> Because he's so against type. Oscar is where he plays a gangster. He's the gangster, right. In like the 30s. It's yeah. supposed to be like a period piece. Right. This is his Harlem Nights. Yeah. And it's horrible. It's not funny. It's not. It's him trying to do a straight comedy. Yeah. He's not funny. He no. can't get a line over at all. Takes himself way too seriously. So I guess you don't like Stop or My Mom Will Shoot Them. No, I don't. Right. I don't like How that. about Cliffhanger where he's a mountain climber? Cliffhanger, I actually did enjoy. That you like. I, I didn't mind Cliffhanger. <laughs> so that's just alone as the mountain climber. That was a comeback for him. I didn't mind Cliffhanger. I did not. I did not. Demolition Man, I didn't like. Oh, you're crazy. Demolition Man is fantastic. Eh, I, mean, eh, eh, I don't like Demolition Man. The Specialist, meh. Judge Dredd, stop it. That's horrible. I, and 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 after that, it's just... It's, about to say, now you're all in, yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it, it's all downhill. And then... Copland is good in spite of him mm. because he's, he's, you know, he's, he's Oscar searching for an Oscar. So yeah, I think this is the beginning of the end. Well, maybe it's not so much the beginning of the end, but it's like, it changes the, tra- it cha- the changes trajectory. His trajectory a bit. Yeah. To, even though to be fair, this movie is not a hit with Sylvia. It's not like, the monster hit that it is with no not at all with Sylvester not at all we've the funny thing is we've again we've been talking about this film for years without talking about this film the 80s are littered oh boy with movies that try to recreate this magic Mm -hmm. 
and they just can't do it because no one can figure out. No, nobody's got that the Eddie Murphy sauce. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, there's absolutely no way this would have been a hit with Rocky Balboa. I mean, with um Sylvester Stallone. Uh, Brie Brie 517 that she says she's still waiting for our review of The Telephone starring Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah. Practically a one-woman play. I don't even know if I'm aware of that movie. Yeah, no, we talked about it. It's, it's a, um, it was very low-budget film. Hmm. Someone interesting directed it, too. I have to check that out. Yeah. Uh, she said she also likes Tango and Cash. Yeah, Tango and Cash. And Carol Blackwell says, Cliffhanger? <laughs> I'm not saying I love it, <laughs> but I remember liking it. I haven't seen it's it. It's no in over years. the top. It, it well or rhinestone. Thankfully, it's not <laughs> either of those films. Remember Rhinestone, he was dancing. He was like doing some type of cowboy shuffle. <laughs> <laughs> Don't break my heart. Break your heart. All right. Would you recommend that people see Beverly Hills Cop? Oh, or? absolutely. Absolutely. And like I do oftentimes with these iconic movies, mm-hmm. I would recommend going and watching it if you haven't seen it in a long time, which I suspect you haven't. I suspect a lot of people. Haven't right. I suspect it. you haven't seen Beverly Hills Cop in a long time or you've seen bits from it mm-hmm. or you've seen it on television where it's been edited oh, and there man. are commercials and stuff. But I would absolutely because again, I think it holds up. And yourself, I'd recommend it. I would definitely recommend it. Um, you know, forgive the music. <laughs> That's part of the experience. It is. Uh, I would say forgive the music, but other than that, I would definitely recommend that people see Beverly Hills Cop. All right, if you'll enjoy it. All right. Okay. All right. Well, that does it for our review of Beverly Hills Cop. Before we tell you what we're going to be watching next week here on the Michelle Mission for episode 298. Oh, goodness. Oh, yeah. We're moving. Is it 298 already, Vincent? Already. Wow. I can't believe it. Time flies when you're having fun. Is that what you call this? No, it's indeed fun. Um, I invite you all, ladies and gentlemen, to um, if you are liking our show and you want to, you know, uh, tell us about how much you are liking the, the show or ask us a question that some people do, you can do it more than one way. You can send us an email. You can email us at mission at gmail.com. That's M-I-C-H-E-A-U-X-M-I-S-S-I-O-N at gmail.com. Or feel free to leave us a voicemail at the Me Show voicemail. <laughs> 215-867-9666. Tell Vincent and Len what is on your mind. You know, you keep laughing at that. But I do. You, you love it now. I do, but it, it does tickle me. <laughs> Take me out with that. I'm like, he loves it, but he, he wants to laugh at it. He wants to clown it. You know, oh God, God bless him. Anyway, so yeah, feel free to leave us leave us a voicemail and tell us what's on your mind, ladies and gentlemen. You can follow the Me Show Mission on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Me Show Mission. Subscribe on YouTube and Twitch at Me Show Mission. Give us five stars on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. That's a really 
cool way that you can help people find the show because that helps us grow in the algorithms of favorite movie podcasts and uh, gets us out there. We appreciate it very much. The Michelle Mission, as always, is a proud member of the Podglomerate, thepodglomerate.com. They make podcasts work. All right. Next week on the Michelle Mission is episode 298. All right. My selection. Yes, it is. This is another film that I have not seen since it came out. Okay. When I tell you what this film is, you will realize why I have not watched it since it came out because it is what some would say is a very hard watch. Okay. And that this is a film from 2009, Vincent. Okay. Uh, it's a film that is an Academy Award winning film. Okay. As the co-star Monique won the best supporting actor. Oh yeah. In this yeah. film. Oh yeah. Uh, it was also nominated for Best Director, mm-hmm. as well as for Best Actress, yeah, uh, Lead Actress, as well as for Best Picture. And the film is Precious. Mm. 2009, starring Lee Daniels mm-hmm. and Gabare Sidibe. Mm-hmm. That will be our selection for next week's stop on the Michelle Mission. Okay. I've not seen this film since the one time I saw it either. So, yeah. So, tough film. Very tough, tough film. film. Oh boy. It's a, yeah. Yeah. It's a tough movie. But we'll get through it together. Yes, we will. Here on the mission. Until then, ladies and gentlemen, he's Vincent. I'm Len. And in parting, we say, we'll see you when it's time to meet again. 